Well, welcome everyone to another live episode of Free Basketball. This is our basketball podcast we've been doing for a while. I am Ryan Meadows, your host, um, host extraordinaire, and I am joined by always my two co-hosts. One, Mr. Daniel Greer tried to change his name to Jonas Valanciunas, but his wife said no. How are you doing, Daniel? I'm good. She actually let me change my name to Jonas Valanciunas. It was perfect. (laughs) So is your full name now Daniel Jonas Valanciunas Greer? Or is it just Jonas Valanciunas Greer? Or or is there a hyphen? Yeah, I changed my middle name to just Jonas itself. So it's Daniel Jonas. So I completely got rid of Wayne. No, we don't even know why I have Wayne. So I just went ahead and got rid of Wayne and just got Jonas. So we're good. I totally, I totally forget that your middle name's Wayne, and that's why Cody calls you Wayne. <laughs> yeah, Danny Wayne. His name. I forgot that's why he calls contacts. you Danny Wayne. <laughs> in my contacts, it's in there is Danny Wayne. <laughs> well, the other pleasant voice that you hear is other co-host, Mister Restaurateur himself, uh, Mister Cody Holsey. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm I'm fantastic. I'm living the dream. What have you uh, uh, What have you been up to? Uh, well, today I went to I got I got uh, went to the DMV. Very exciting day. Have lots of downtime, so I did some research for some stuff on the podcast today. And, Whoa! Uh, yeah. Very first exciting. Time what? Very exciting time. I was about to say it's been two years. Is this the first? Yeah, this is the first time I've ever done research. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm sure because your mother still lives here in Memphis, right? So you know all yeah. about the uh, bad weather and snow that we've been having here in the mm-hmm. the South, us Southerners. Um, how was it up there in Kansas City? Uh, cold and snowy, and it has, but we have like the infrastructure to deal with that. So, <laughs> so it's something that y'all are used to, so you're prepared. Yeah, so like you know, it's it's crappy like while it's snowing and stuff like that. But then as soon as it's done, like that's when the snow piles get out, and it's like, oh hey, cool, I'm just gonna go drive to the grocery store now. <laughs> well, I it's, uh, it's safe. Us, us Southerners here, at least in Memphis, I, I think overnight. I don't know, Daniel, if you had the same, but um, we had like six to eight inches of snow last night, and I don't ever remember having that much snow here do you no no never and the first thing my daughter says is um dad elsa was here i'm like practically (laughs) elsa she's trying to kill us (laughs) (laughs) well now that we've moved out to the country we don't have you know nobody salts or whatever they put on the street nobody's coming by to sweep up so um, I'm on a back road way back in the country now, so I'm literally stranded. Luckily for us, we went to the store and loaded up. Um, so our house was, it's kind of looking like one of those, you know, survive a disaster kind of bunkers, uh, because it's looking like we're not going to be able to get out of our driveway for the next week, especially with the way the weather's still going. So that's been a really exciting, uh, couple days. The boys love it. Me and the wife are getting a little bit of cabin fever here, so it's um, it's starting to get uh, kind of testy already. So we'll see how long this is going to actually last. We might actually have to brave the roads and see if we can, you know, get out of here and 
at least just drive around and see something else besides our backyard, you know, and our property. Uh, but let's get into our actual episode today. I know we talked around, kind of catch up a little bit because we did not have a at least a live episode last week. I had basketball games I was coaching. Um, and so you guys just recorded a free basketball Grizzlies edition episode together. So that was a fun episode. If you have not listened to us and you follow, or if you listen to us and haven't listened to that episode yet, you need to, because that was a fun one. Um, so Daniel's doing a lot of great things with the free basketball, the Grizzlies edition of it. So, um, you need to be following that as well. Before we get started, Cody, I know it's in the header, but I thought it was meant to be an impromptu question because you wanted you had something you wanted to ask Daniel. So I'm going to give you the floor here because you can get it first. All right, all right. So a few weeks ago, I believe Daniel mentioned to Ryan and I that the about NBA Top Shot. Like it was just an, our text message was kind of offhand, so I like looked at it real quick and I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing. I didn't really like understand what it was. And over like the last few weeks, I've just kept hearing about it and hearing about it and hearing about it. And so I've like kind of read more about it, heard, heard a little more about it through this week. Um, so as Daniel seemed to be an early adopter. Um, so I figured that it would be good to ask him a couple questions. So Daniel, can you, can you do me a favor and explain what NBA top shot is like yeah. for people that don't get it? Yeah, so it's it's pretty much it's a um, what they're doing is capturing a moment in time. So, for example, the jaw dunk the other night, um, I guess I think it was against the Pelicans. Um, that could be a moment in time, which would be a moment in the game. Um, and so, what they would do soon, and it doesn't happen instantly. Soon, they'll actually make a clip of that. You know, a twelve or so second clip of that. And they'll capture it into an actual card type. It's a digital card. So when you get that card, you would see the entire moment, which would be him getting the ball and coming through the lane and dunking. Okay, so you get to see the, the whole play again. But you then own one of however many they made. Some of them are uh, 15,000 plus uh, made, and those are not highly you know, sought after cards but what i usually collect and most people that are smart they're going after the ones that are limited edition so if you're looking at nba top shot and you see a cc that means there's 15,000 plus of that actual card made um, and then there's a limited edition le then there's going to be a certain number whatever your serial number is is you have that actual card just like you would own a basketball or baseball or football card you would own that piece of cardboard. Well, what they did is made these digital digitalized or whatever the word might be, uh, because people were getting away from actually touching and holding a product. Uh, the reason it came about is one guy wanted to, um, you know, he got all these cards. And he was so nervous about having all these cards that he went and would go buy safety deposit boxes around the country and put them in different spots. So he never, one, somebody broke in and stole them, or two, caught, had a fire in his house. So that's how it all kind of came about. But uh, they did it with blockchain, so it's, it, it's, it's, it's pretty secure for the most part. Obviously, everybody's worried that it's going to get broken into. But, uh, but 
but just to give you a, just a rundown of it, it's just a digital card. You own it just as you would own, you know, 1,122 of 5,000. You would own that actual card. And so you can then go to the marketplace and resell it uh, and try to flip it for more money or hold on to it and hopefully it rises. So um, that might answer it. I don't know if it does or not. Yeah, no, I think that's a pretty good answer. So, like, when I was reading it, like, the first, like, when I was, like, reading about, like, the blockchain stuff and, like, not to get, like, too, like, technical and stuff like that, but, like, just kind of, like, understanding how that works is, like, it basically means that, like, that is a one-of-one product. So, like, if you, if you get, like, like, a John Moran dunk, like, it is number 45 of, you know, 5,000 or however many of them there are, um which I think is really interesting. So like if that gets bought and sold and traded, like it has like its own serial number and everything. So like, you can always see like that this is a specific thing. Um, the other thing I thought, like I've, I've collected different things throughout my life. Like comic books is something I collected for a while. So like the, the thing that I thought was really interesting about it is that it like is a digital thing that you don't like have to touch or worry about like the condition of it. Like it is always going to be in the same condition that it was bought in. So I thought that was a really interesting thing just from like a collector perspective. Like it never is going to lose quality or yeah, anything a, like that. From that's a good uh, – I've, I've never thought about it like that. So you're actually getting the mint condition, the 10, uh, right. the 10 of 10 um, in, in condition-wise. So that's a that's a good idea. Um, and I don't know if you all have seen these lately. Um, I know I sent you all this screenshot. And, and just for example, right. the people that are not uh, big NBA top shot, uh, which most people aren't, honestly, but – so there's there's a legendary card, John Moran. I just used him for example, um, and there's 49 of these were made. Uh, these people bought these or found these in a pack, so you can still open packs of cards, and they open just like you would open a normal pack. Right. It's just a digital way of doing it. But one of these cards is going. There's um there's 49 of made. It's going for 50 grand. That's the lowest asking price. So mm-hmm. that's probably card maybe number 49 of 49. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a hundred thousand dollar cards, um, that there's only 25 of these made. Um, and there, there's, there's other ones, it, it go, you know, the price goes down the screenshot sent, but a lot of the cards right. that I own are mo- mainly limited edition. And I, I probably have bought them for two, three, $10, whatever. And they're all easily 52, $250 each going as, as the lowest asking price right now. So. It's definitely something that's different. I've never seen it before. Nobody ever has. And I, I do see that this is going to be not just a fad, uh, but the way I think this stuff goes, especially with how quick everybody wants the instant gratification and the instant, uh, the microwave mentality. I, I think this is definitely right. the way it's going. Well, well, I, yeah, I, was... I uh... go ahead, go Cody. Ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, oh, when you first thrill. sent it, when <laughs> when Daniel sent it to us, I, I think I texted Cody right away. I was like, man, this guy got hoodwinked. He's paying for monetized yep. gifts. Like, <laughs> that was my immediate reaction to it because I, you know, I collected basketball cards all growing up. I mean, I luckily was buying cards or when LeBron came into the league. So I can't tell you how many LeBron rookie cards I have, but it just feels weird to have like a digitized version of that. And that's something that can actually hold value over time. So it's like, it's hard to wrap my head around how it stays um, as like a valuable product. Yeah. Hold and on, I know like a card. 
Yeah. It's supply and demand. That's, that's yeah. pretty much what they're working off of is they're limiting what they're allowing out. And because there's so many moments and because new moments are created every day, uh, every, if you go to their Twitter page, it always asks the question every day. Let us know what highlights that you would like to have uh, made into a moment. And then they'll go back every day and they'll and they'll capture those moments each and every day. So there's so many new moments you can get, but you can never get the first ones they ever made. Right. Because they're done. They're never making series one ever again. So that's how they're going to make this uh, kind of a you want to get it is because it's supply and demand. There's only going to be so many. And only of the best players are going to make them where there's, you know, 49 and you're just like screwed if you don't get it. And if you, if you want it, you got to pay top, top price. So that's how they're going to do it. Is it one of those things where, uh, is this just a response to the actual like card industry being on fire the past, you know, year or whatever? Um, and is that something you think will fall by the wayside when things go back to normal a little bit? Um, no, I, I think this is the new wave, uh, the way things are going, just to be honest. Um, I, I do think that there will be some, uh, just like any kind of stock, you know, you have, you know, you have your roller coaster, so you're going straight up and then, and then all of a sudden some people, something bad happens and it kind of takes a downfall and they kind of have to reinvent themselves and then they take back off again and they eventually stabilize. I, I think the, I think they're still growing. They're still in a beta, um, uh, website. Like they crash every single day, multiple times a day. Like right now, if I wanted to buy a card, I couldn't. The marketplace is down. But they also mm. have uh, a lot of uh, feedback that they're giving, um, and on I, they allow you and get you to join the Discord, where they keep you up to date on everything. And so it's very early still, but people are dropping a hundred thousand dollars on a moment on a card every single week it seems like there's so it, it's just crazy how much it's crazy it's flooding yeah yeah th- that it blows my mind that people would spend money on that but hey if you in it you're in it early daniel maybe you might catch some uh luck here with some of your cards and then you can um you know sponsor the podcast be the first one <laughs> uh, but let's actually get into some standings here I, I know we have standings in the headings but not really focusing on like rankings or anything I do want to skip around a few teams and just not going to spend a ton of time with them but just want to kind of hit surface level where you guys think there are where they might be going maybe if they're a little overrated or disappointing so um, of course, let's start with an Eastern team that is third right now at 16 and 12, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. They seem kind of confusing to me. You know, they're the best team in the league on offense in the middle, in the mid range on defense. They have seemed disappointing compared to other season starts for them. Um, is this just a, I know Drew Holiday's out. Is this just a early season? Everybody's trying to get it together. They're kind of doing a training camp now, or is it, they've got some underlying problems that teams have been honing in on for two or three years now. And now it's all starting to surface. I think the, um, the, uh, the Euro step Euro is who is the guy that, uh, you sent that to us. He's actually on this, uh, he's part of the lead sports media. I do believe, um, he put out, uh, that, that thing the other day about the, um, the bucks just not being good 
against winning teams. Uh, and so I don't know if they're uh, for real, but I know that they're sleepwalking through the early part of the year. So I don't want to uh, judge them just yet. But I do believe they do have issues, but that I, I think they're learning to work with each other early on. So I, I don't put too much stock into it. I, I think they're one of the teams that can turn it on if they need to. Yeah, I, I think the stat was, I'm not going to remember it perfectly, but it was they were 6-0 and against like the Cavs and the Magic or something like that. And then like 10-12 and against everyone else. So they've beaten up on two really bad teams and barely trying to fight to be at 500 with every single other team in the league, which doesn't bode too well, but it is early. Um, like I said, Drew Holiday is out with injury right now, so who knows um, how long it'll take for him to get back. But the Bucks, they're giving up a lot of threes, and that is by design defensively. They have said they're going to protect the rim, and they're going to allow teams to shoot three-pointers. The problem is teams are hitting those threes against them, and I think the past year or two they have not, so... I don't know if it's simply just being able to challenge the three-point shot to make it more difficult on closeouts, or I'm just not sure. Um, Cody, what is – is this just a three-point barrage from teams that's going to regress and then the Bucks will be able to make a run and their defense is going to stand out again? Or do you think there is some, like, real problems with their defense? Paging, Dr. No. Sorry, my bad. I thought I was talking. I, I've been talking. I didn't realize it was muted. Um, no, I just, like, I think the I think the bigger issue is, like, their offense. Because, like, like I don't know. Like, what do they do other than just, like, have Giannis dunk and just be – Well, they're like, – They're there's, second in There's the so league. much that he does. So, they're second in the league in points and seconds in offensive rating. So – I mean, their offense yeah, has yeah, been, but they've been, but they've been beating at up the on top garbage teams. That's the fair point, right? When they play more yeah, difficult like or more defensive yeah. teams, they've struggled. They so you think it's not necessarily their defense. You, you think even though they're scoring high numbers and have a high offensive rating to start, you think it's their more of a predictable offense now. Like you know what you're getting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely they know like like what it, like they do the same thing that they've been doing for three years. I I, I disagree. I know that they seem to be predictable because everybody thinks they figured out Giannis. The dude is the best player on the court almost every game that he plays. That's uh, maybe, great. Maybe against LeBron, he might not be the best player, but he could be. He could be for sure better that night than LeBron. No, that's um, fine, but, like, after him, like, who's – Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton's good, but – yeah. He's okay. probably a top top 10 to top 15 player in the league right now this year. I don't know other years. This year, Chris Middleton is playing on that level right now. And that, but like, that makes you dangerous. If you have two top 15, top 20 players, you're dangerous. That dangerous. Yeah, I just don't think Speechless. they're going to win anything. I get it. They're not, no, they're I not going to win. They're not going to win. <laughs> like, you're talking about, like, oh, these guys are so good, but, like, they're good against the Pistons. Like, great. Like, fantastic. You can beat the Pistons and you can beat the Wizards handily, but, like, anytime you're challenged with, like, a team that actually, like, knows what they're doing or has any semblance of, like, cohesive basketball going on, then, like, you struggle with them. And I think that's a problem for the 
I think that's a problem for the Bucks. Like that's when Ryan sent that to us the other day, like that was pretty uh pretty like telling for me about like, oh yeah, this is a team that like always looks good in the regular season. And then when it comes time for the playoffs, like they get run out of the gym. But question, did yeah, you I know t- that stat or, or or feel like you knew that before you saw that uh, weird stat that came to us? Well, no, but it's one of those things that I think about, like, every year, like, I'm like, are the Bucks actually going to, like, do something this year or are they not? Like, it's something that I just think about. And, like, Ryan sent that stat, and it just, like, made me think, like, no, they're probably not. Like, the two teams in the East that are probably going to make it, like, out of the East that have a legitimate shot are probably the Sixers and the Nets. Hmm. I, uh, it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point because it feels like I know it's only been what three or four years that they've actually been in the playoffs with Giannis. It feels like they've been in the playoffs for a decade, but they always, since they've been you know a top seed, they play a terrible eight seed and they always lose the first game and then run them out. And then second round, they have an incredibly difficult time. Um, and I think that's why you got all these roster moves for them because of. I felt like they thought they were predictable. The only problem is they've kept the same system. So I'm not panicking. I'm with Daniel. I I think they will still stick at the top of the East. I think it's just a weird kind of start of the season. They will make a run. They're going to stay in the top one or two seats. I would not be surprised if they eventually took over the one seat again. Getting Drew back is obviously going to be uh, priority number one for them. Um, but I think this is going to be a good regular season team. I think the co- the point Cody makes about what are they going to do in the playoffs is fair because is trading, you know, is switching Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday simply enough to push them past the hump of the Eastern semifinals. And that's something that we're just not going to see until it actually happens. So that's what we'll be looking forward to them. Another team that I want to talk about, obviously Anthony Davis re-aggravated his Achilles tendonitis or whatever they called that. Um, The Lakers, who are certainly doing okay, sitting in second in the West at 22-7, and right behind the red-hot Utah Jazz. Cody, I'll ask you first on this one, since you're actually muted and I don't want to sit here for five seconds until someone actually decides to answer. Um, How troubling is... (laughs) How troubling is this news? for the Lakers long-term heading into the playoffs, or do you think that they will be just fine? I think they'll be fine. I mean, like, it's actually probably, like, I mean, it's, it's not good news when someone has an Achilles injury, Achilles injury, but, like, getting a little bit of rest, like, probably isn't bad. Like, they had, the Lakers realistically had, like, what, a month and a half off, two months between getting the season going again. Right. And, when it ended, so it's probably not bad that those that at least you know somebody gets a little bit of rest on that team. Like LeBron is obviously older, but like he's still carrying like a big load of like what that team you know night to night. Like he's definitely the guy. Like I don't know, it'll be interesting to see. This is definitely like you know it's one of those things with teams that have won the title. Like you kind of have to like every team wants to play really hard against you every night. So. That's a good point because I feel like they've had, they certainly had some games where they've had blowouts, but it feels like they've had to win more ugly than they have just running people off the floor. And I'm sure that's just a combination of new influx of players, Dennis Schroeder, you know, Montrez, Mark, figuring it out. 
um, with some holdovers like KCP and Kuzma, but they're just not running people off the floor anymore. And Mm -hmm. is that just purely fatigue, you think, from just the quick turnaround? Or do you think they're kind of in a buck situation? Give them a little more time to gel. I mean, we're almost halfway point of the season, so it's not like you can get really a right. whole lot more time, but it feels like the Lakers are trying to rev up for the playoffs. Like, they wanted to have a strong start so they can kind of cruise towards the end and be right. good to go for the playoffs. Is that how you kind of feel? Like, that's the game plan yeah, for them? I, yeah, because I don't know, like, I mean, are the, are the is the NBA going to do, like, playoffs in the bubble again? Like, are they going to just do playoffs like normal with all the travel and stuff? Like, I don't really know how that's going to go, but, like, I would think that home court advantage would be pretty negligible as far as like importance this season if you're not going to have fans necessarily uh you know maybe by the time that we're doing playoffs you will be able to so we'll see but like if if home court advantage isn't really like a big factor and you're the lakers like is there a whole lot of incentive to like be the one seed in the in the west i mean like they're not right now anyway because of the jazz but Right, and that's the wild thing is the Jazz have been on on an incredible tear and only two games up in the loss column from them. So if the Jazz have any kind of fall off at all, then the Lakers would be sitting right there to be the number one seed again. I mean, the Clippers are right on their heels too, but but you project Mm -hmm. that the Lakers are going to continue to be a top two seed or you just don't think they really care that much. I mean, I think that they probably will, but I don't think it's like – I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't. I think that it's definitely, you know, been you can you can kind of point to time and time again where LeBron is one of those people who can kind of like turn it on and off without really det- like he somehow does it where it's not exactly like detrimental, like he's just like kind of saving himself for different spots here and there. Like it's just I feel like he's one of the few people that like I feel like can just turn it on like when they need to like you, we need to win 10 games in a row. All right, let's go do it. Like, I just like feel like he can still carry a team to that kind of thing. I mean, he's had, what, almost four straight games where it went into overtime, and he's played, you know, 40-plus, almost 50 minutes for a week and a half, and he shows no sign of wear and tear. So that's yeah, pretty incredible. Like, Daniel. He's a Terminator. Go ahead. Yeah, he basically is. We need to know what him and Tom Brady do in the offseason. But, Daniel, if the Lakers are going to have – it looks like they're going to have an extended period of time without AD. If they're going to keep on this trajectory as a top one or two seed, what is it going to have to be for them to keep them at the top? There's no way they'll be at the top two. Um, He's going to be – No way? No way. At, at minimum, he's out. Yeah, the Clippers are going to win the title last year, too. At minimum, he's out what? two months, probably. I do want to come back to that, so I don't want to forget that. Like, who who is going to who's going to actually unseat them? But continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, so uh, who will unseat them is the Clippers and the Suns and probably the Trailblazers. Um, I wouldn't doubt they fall to the final. Uh, but I just think that <laughs> That's a hot take. this season – this season isn't going to go the way that people expect. Uh, the Lakers are, are pretty much riding LeBron, and he is great. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I hate his style of basketball, even though I've liked it over the past couple of years because he's um, actually changed his game. Uh, but I just think that LeBron is – you can't ride a guy that many minutes 
and it not take a toll. At some point, it's coming where he just kind of not breaks down, but he needs to take some time, whether it's going to be injury or whether he just doesn't have uh, the juice that he needs, that they know that, hey, we can sacrifice a few games to make sure we don't put these minutes on him because this team isn't that great. They're okay. But as we've seen, without LeBron, they're not amazing. Uh, they're just an okay – they're an okay, above-average, top-of-the-Western-conference-type uh, um, team with LeBron. If LeBron starts to go down in any form at all, they are for sure going to go down, and they have to figure out – Will we sacrifice putting all these minutes, 30 to 35, 40 minutes a game, on an aging superstar who's pretty much carrying the team by himself, or do we want to give up some of these games and give him some rest or or, or have him on a minutes restriction uh, because we're without AD? And then the AD thing, this is serious. They, you, they literally set a guy and thought his Achilles was okay and put him back out there and he got re-injured again. Like this isn't a calf. This is this is what K, what KD had right before KD uh, tore his Achilles. So I think he's out at least two months. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if he's out for the season. Wow, out for the season completely, not even playoffs. How do you take that chance? We we here saw Mike Conley set because there was a an issue with his Achilles. I know it was a different deal. They weren't going for a championship, but. I don't know. I, I, the Achilles thing is weird, man. I, I don't know if you can uh, mess with it too much, but they definitely have, and now he's out. He's not even going to be looked at for two or three weeks. So at minimum, he's out for a month, and then probably going to go into at least two months. Hmm. I, uh, I, obviously, we want the best for AD. We want him to be there because – with AD, Lakers obviously are the favorites to win the championship and repeat. And we don't want to see, you know, a championship, a potential championship or a season derailed because of an injury and then especially a devastating injury like that to an Achilles. So hopefully everything comes back with AD and he comes back healthy and is good to go. I assume that I'm with you, Dan. I don't think they'll rush him. Uh, but if LeBron, you know, if, if they're sitting right there at the top with a relatively easy path to the championship again, I would be shocked if AD doesn't come back at some point. Um, and I, I think the Lakers are going to have to win a bunch of ugly games coming up, and it's really going to be about their defense. So that's the kind of thing I'm monitoring with them is are already an awesome defensive team. If they have any lack or fall off at all from defense, this could get kind of interesting with the standings. You did say that there's a couple teams that could knock them off. I don't see how, even with all the injury stuff, and maybe that's why you think the Blazers could hop them because of, you know, CJ McCollum coming back and Nurkic whenever he might come back. Um, and they've overperformed for what they have. Uh, but I just don't see how someone like the Blazers or the Suns actually leapfrog them from the lake you cut out there ryan but uh i'm just looking at the standings the clippers are two games behind uh or a game and a half and then you have uh three games behind for the trailblazers um and, and pretty much the same three 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 or four games for the Suns. it's not much it doesn't take much for you to 
fall back in there. If you start, if you lose a couple, or you or you pretty much are just playing five hundred ball. This isn't the Eastern Conference where everybody, pretty much an entire Eastern Conference, is playing five hundred basketball. Like this is a very tough conference where literally everybody, everybody in the top eight spots are above five hundred. This is not this is not the East. So uh, I know he's used to the East because that's where he plays because that's where he was good at. Uh, he just he's in the West and you can't just you can't have superstars get hurt and not feel like you're going to fall back in the standings. Talking about a sub five hundred East team that I'm. I'm really confused about, since they, especially since they made the finals last year. And that's the Miami Heat. I know they just got Jimmy Butler back. But, Cody, what, like, do you have thoughts about the Heat? Why are they so bad? <laughs> or do you think it's just a tough start with Jimmy Butler being injured and now they're going to come on? Um, they're sitting right outside right now of that play-in. I mean, are they a potential really, really scary um Play on play in team, or do you think this is just this is a this is a bad year for them after making championship? I think like sorry, I was muted again. I think that uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I mean it could be a number of things. Like I think they might. I think they'll probably like kind of level out a little bit with Jimmy Butler coming back into the rotation and everything. Like I think that'll definitely like stabilize things a little bit. And I think that they'll definitely end up in that. At least in the play on play in game, if not you know upper higher up in the stand, standings a little bit, um, but it could also be that it was just kind of like fluky like bubble you know finals run that they had too, like you know their teams when they you know it's kind of like a weird you know people kept saying it was like college kind of campus and stuff like that. Like, you know, teams in college, you know, March Madness, you get George Mason in the final four sometimes. So, um, that's kind of a, like that. a stupid okay. point, but you know, like, like the, no, bubble, like the bubble was weird. Like the Suns won eight straight games. Like it was, it was ridiculous. So, um, different, lots of teams that like really overachieved in the bubble and lots of teams that really poorly in the bubble that like we otherwise thought would be good. So, I don't know if that was, like, an actual indicator of, like, whether or not, like, they were, like, a real team. They looked like a real team in the playoffs against the Lakers. Like, they stole one. They played them tight a couple of games. But um, I don't know. I think it I think it kind of levels out here with Jimmy Butler back in the lineup and everything. I think that um, – I think that they'll, they'll probably be a dangerous low-seeded team more than mm. likely. Yeah, because, because they – like they have all the pieces to, at least to me, to be a fun, fast, like exciting team. But they just do not play that way. They're slow. They're boring. Um, I, I I thought they were interesting to watch in the playoffs. I don't know if maybe that was because of the underdog status of them going up against these bigger teams. Like, oh, let's see Jimmy Butler drag this team again. Uh, right. But just watching it this year like they're boring like they're not interesting to watch like Duncan Robinson sure he might go off for his you know three or four threes a game and sure Tyler Harrell might have his couple threes but overall I just they do not feel like the same team to me I know they've been hit with injuries just like everyone else in the NBA Uh, but those top teams that have sustained injuries have sustained where they are 
the Heat have just slowly fallen behind, and I know they've had a little mini winning streak with Jimmy Butler coming back, but, man, they're playing so far behind. Dan, do you think the Heat are just playing now to make the play-in, or do you think they're trying to make a push so they don't have to play one of the top two seeds? Or the, the number one seed, I'm sorry. Oh, no, they're doing the seven and eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're playing yeah. one of the top two seeds. So you think they're pushing for that, or do you think they just all right? We started such a hole. Let's just get into this play in and see what happens. I don't. I don't know. This is way too early to be thinking about what position um, that you're out of it because literally they could run off you know a four or five game win streak and then play five hundred basketball again and be right back up in the mix of being in the eight seed. Um, you know, and solidify yourself in that spot. Uh, they do have a bunch of holes. Uh, they're not that good of a team. They're probably going to get beat on the road and a travel back to back tonight against Sacramento. Uh, I, I just, I think they, I think they do have a lot of issues. And I'm glad I called it early on. Uh, I guess in probably before the season even started that the Heat were kind of caught lighting in a bottle in, a, in the bubble, and they're just not the same team. Uh, Jimmy Butler played very well during the bubble, and that's just not this team anymore. But can we talk about Tyler Hero? I know they call him <laughs> Baby Goat, okay? See, this fan base, this Heat fan base pretty much said, we don't want to trade Tyler Hero for James Harden. They really right. said that. Tyler, I need a hero. Did not does not look like a good play a great player. He's okay. He's a good six, seven, eight for sure in his NBA career. He'll be he'll probably win a six man of the year, twelve years in the league. Like, that's fine. But this dude like, come on. He's not that good. And it shows that <laughs> sometimes you cut you caught uh, lightning in a bottle in the bubble. Yeah, it, it seemed like we were very quick to anoint him, and that's maybe because we, you know, didn't have basketball for those few months, and then we returned, and then here comes Tyler Hero, absolutely lighting everyone on fire in the playoffs. We're like, oh, here we go, you know, he's the next guy. <laughs> so maybe like a slight overreaction, like Cody was saying, to you know, sometimes George Mason gets into the Final Four uh, with the Heat, we get that. Um, we get that with Hero. So I do have two teams before we wrap it up. I don't know if we'll get to the second one. I'm going to choose the one I'd rather talk about um, and see if we have enough time for the other. But going, skipping back to the West, a team that is currently sitting in the tenth seed that has been underwhelming um, considering expectations that everyone had this year. Everyone, I think, before the season, maybe especially us, thought they were going to be a top four seed plus. Um, and that is the Dallas Mavericks sitting at 13 and 15. Luca is doing his thing. Okay. I wouldn't say it's overly pretty. Um, it can seem kind of very James Harden, Houston Rockets, ISO ballish. Um, but Daniel, what is your thoughts about the Mavericks? Yeah, they, uh, they are good with their one player. But they have a lot of issues. Uh, their big men just do not 
know how to handle a defense in general. They just have nobody that can stand up. Um, and I know they have um, uh, Collie Stein, uh, who's there. But that honeymoon is over. He's kind of showed who he actually really is. And they do have a lot of issues on, just just overall. Uh, Chris Porzingis has not played well. Will he bounce back? Potentially. And if he bounces back, then this team will be okay. But this late into the season, I said the opposite thing of, uh, for the Heat, but this, this late into the season as a Western Conference team, you know right now that you have to pick it up to get a better slot into the actual tournament or the, or the postseason. Because if you don't, you're going to be paired up against uh, a Jazz team who's hot, who's played very well, and it looks like a, a, that team is going to be running on all cylinders. They're just a good overall, a, a good team, top to bottom. Uh, but then you're talking about the Lakers and the Clippers. They're for sure going to catch one of those teams in the playoffs if they if they actually can get in it and whether they have the play-in game or not. They're a one-man show. And I, I know I'm very close with the Dallas, uh, the fans, and they literally are trying to trade for anybody and everybody. And their main goal right now is to try to get Andre Drummond. That's how bad really? they are in the post. They want Andre Drummond, which I think he is wow. a very – I think he is the player that you get to make sure you get into the lottery. I just think you – I think he is. <laughs> Well, I mean, Luca was the preseason favorite for MVP, and it's not like he is disappointing. He's averaging, you know, almost 30 points, almost 10 assists, almost 9 rebounds. I mean, the guy's almost averaging a triple-double, but they're still, you know, sub-500. And does this rest solely upon the shoulders of Kristaps Porzingis? Or is it yeah. they got all these got new guys in, because they thought they needed more toughness around Luca. That was the thing we heard in the offseason. They need to get tougher on the perimeter. So they brought in people like James Johnson, uh, Josh Richardson. Um, I mean, Trey Burke was already there, but Willie Collistown was already there, but for a full season now. Um, they tried to get tougher, and it's kind of isolated them from being just a, you know, last year they were a prolific offense. You know, I think they were like the high highest rated uh, offensive efficiency ever offenses. Um, and this year it just doesn't really feel like that because it's more of the James Harden, everybody's staying in the corner, you know, Porzingis pick and pop. And if Lucas hitting, then great, which typically if he's not hitting, he's still going to get 30. But um, if he is hitting great. Uh, so you think Daniel, that it rests a lot on Porzingis. Yeah, I think that Porzingis is the reason that they're not kind of letting their offense flow because a lot of these players that they have are built to be a kind of a secondary scorer or a, an option that you don't have to create because Luke is going to do that. Chris Stapps is going to kind of spread out uh, your offense. And so the rest of these guys have less eyeballs on them and, and, and easier de- defenders on them. So if – Kristaps Porzingis is the player, the unicorn that he was early on, that he's okay, and, and this team would be okay. But I'm afraid that those days are long gone, unfortunately. And, man, I just don't know if 
if if they really made the bad decision. Do we know that uh, that Phil, the one who traded KP, I do believe, um, if, if he is the one who saw that Chris Porzingis was not as good and you know would not be as good coming back after this injury and all the, the off the court issues, uh, maybe he saw something before he got fired in New York. Um, but for sure, I, I just don't. I, I think I don't. this is based around him, <laughs> for sure. I think you're giving Phil too much credit. I don't think he saw much of anything because he was either at the house or he was sleeping in his office. So, uh, True. <laughs> uh, obviously, we look back at that trade. You know, everyone slammed the Knicks for it. And sometimes with these trades, you just got to let them play out for a year or two to see. So it's kind of an interesting thing to look back now. But, Cody... You've been sitting there patiently the whole time. What are your thoughts about the Mavericks? Do you agree that it's a Porzingis thing, or is it the playing style? Is it trying to be too analytical? What what is what are their issues? Um, they're I don't I just like there's too many guys that aren't like real great basketball players. Like it's just like it's Luca Porzingis, and then like everybody else kind of. Um. I don't know. I mean, like the the guys on that team are like okay, and they're like they're like all role players and great, but um, like it just has to be. I don't know. It just has to be like a different person night to night that helps them out. And I feel like they're probably they're just too reliant on one person. They need like more people that can do more things to help like more evenly distribute the load. Yeah, I, I feel like that's what they thought they were getting with Josh Richardson. They made that trade for Seth Curry because we, you know, said a minute or two ago they wanted more toughness. Um, so they, they, I think that's why they made the swap with Josh Richardson. They thought, hey, we're going to get the same shooting production like we got from Seth, but we're also going to get, you know, a dirty physical, you know, um, primer defender. And it just has not worked out that way so far. So I obviously, like we've been saying, like it's almost to the halfway point of the season and no one's absolutely buried here, but um like teams have got to start coming on like you can't hang on forever there's 10 less games than normal so if these teams are going to start making a run at not just being in the play-in which i don't know if teams are just going to be happy to be in the play-in this year and see what happens but if you want to actually be in the seating and skip the play-in they the, the mavericks have to start coming on now right yes okay <laughs> Well, let's do our uh, final thing. We'll skip the last team that I was going to talk about. We can save that for next week. Um, but I do want to talk about – I know it's been a couple of days. Maybe it's been a week. I don't remember. But it feels recent enough to where I think it's an interesting conversation to have because we have talked about this before on the podcast about, you know, franchise player loyalty, um, you know, fan stuff. Um, and so I did want to get your guys' opinions on the Draymond Green comments the other night where it was announced, you know, speaking of Andre Drummond, the Mavericks wanting Drummond, the Cavs were agreed with Drummond that they were just were not going to play him anymore until they found a trade for him. So Draymond basically, I mean, I'm not going to read verbatim what he was saying, um, but the basic gist of it and – obviously I hope you agree with the kind of summation that uh, I say here is that it's basically a double standard. If teams sit out players, you know, to look for a trade for that player, it's fine. 
Like it's normal. They should do that. They're, they're actually smart to do that, blah, 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 because they might risk injuring their trade piece. Um, but then when players want to get traded and sit out and trying to force a trade, they get labeled as like a locker room cancer and a guy you do not want a part of your organization because he's a problem. So I don't know where we want to run with this. Cody, I'll ask you first, like your reactions from Draymond's comments, were you in agreement with him that there is a double standard with that? I mean, I kind of can see what he's saying, but I also kind of see like, you know, specifically in Drummond's case, like, you don't want him to, like, break his femur. And then, like, what are you trading him for? Like, you can't really do anything with him. So, like, I I get to a degree, like, the, the players, like, having a say in this, in, you know, where they play and things like that. Like, I get that. Like, I understand, like, when you, like, you know, you or I, if we don't like our job, like, we just quit and go get another job doing, like, you know, ma- mainly the same thing. But that's not always – you know, I guess they could just go overseas and play if they don't like it, but I can't imagine that it's any better over there. Um, but I do like see it like you have to kind of look at it as a business. Like the NBA is a business, and you know, for if you're going to ask for a trade, and the team decides like, okay, well, we don't want to play you because we don't want you to get hurt, then that's kind of you know what it is. It makes sense hmm. to me. So, would it be more fair to say that? based on your your reaction to it, that you actually think it should be fine for both. Like if like players should not be ridiculed and victimized, not victimized, but you know, um, run under Twitter ground <laughs> for wanting yeah, to trade I mean, like, and teams should not be, you know, obviously no one super criticizes teams for doing this. I mean, some that you know, they will obviously, um, but you think it should be fine that both want to do this. I mean, like, are they paying Andre Drummond? Like, do they stop paying him to have him sit on the bench? Like, I don't think so. I think they're still paying him. Like, that's that's my thing. And I think – I do think, like – I mean, I think, like, as a player, you kind of, like, under have to understand that you deal with fans. So, like, when, when you come to play in, you know, James Harden's case, you go to play in Houston, and, like, the fans decide that they like you in Houston. Like, you're their guy. When you just say that you want to trade – when, like, you've been the guy in Houston for however long and you haven't gotten it done, you're like, I just want to go play with some better players. Like, I I don't think it's realistic to expect everyone to be like, oh, thank you so much for your time here. Like, you're going to take some shit for that. Like, <laughs> sorry. Like, eventually it'll calm down. But, like, I mean, think about, like, think about all the stuff that players do now and, like, think about, like, LeBron in 2010. Like, like, a watershed people, moment, really, right? Yeah, it, but but like in 2010, like people were like lighting LeBron jerseys on fire and like talking about how he's the worst person in the world and all this in Cleveland. And then he decides to come back, and they all, and they're all just like, "Man, we love LeBron up here in in Ohio. He's just the best. He did so much for us here. Like he won a title in Cleveland, and like now they all love him again. Like it's just like the league is just kind of like, what have you done for me lately, for the players? So like. If you want to be traded, but, but, that's, I think it's fine. But like, you're still gonna like you're still gonna take shit for it from the fans. Like, that's the kind of the business that you entered into. But is it and fair it, for players to be blackballed, quote unquote, by other teams for wanting out? Like, it, like is that fair? I mean, yeah, I got I, you. Got to think like just maybe it's because like I work at a 
like I hire people and stuff like that for my work. And like, this is why like I think about this, but like, you got to think like, if you know someone, like if you know that you're going to sign someone under contract and you're going to say, okay, we're going to give you $30 million a year for the next five years. And they're going to be like, yeah, that sounds great. Sign me up. And then two years into that, they're going to be like, Hmm. Well, now I'm friends with this guy that plays over here in this other team. And we've been, you know, we've, we've been playing call of duty together and I want to go play over there with them. Like, that's the kind of thing that like you have to worry about as an NBA team. And like, I don't think it's like necessarily bad to like try to mitigate that risk. Well, hold on. I, I think Draymond was speaking on how both are, are viewed by the, by the public, the masses, the fans. When you request, request a trade, it, it's viewed negatively amongst, um, I, I guess the NBA as, as the shield it is or whatever, uh, the league. But if you are a, an organization, uh, a franchise, and you are the team, and you sit someone, it's not as negatively viewed in the masses. And I think that's what he's getting at. But in the end of the day, I think this is, comes strictly down to how the situation is handled. For, the, for, the, for example, uh, if, you, if you look at uh, what Bailey even said about when the Grizz handled Tyreek Evans. The Grizzlies thought they were going to trade Tyreek Evans. And so they sent him away from the team. Not anything to do with the team. He wasn't around the team. He went home. The dude was not with the team. And that and that's how they handled it. Was it looked that bad? Nah, it, was, it, it wasn't viewed great, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, in the when city of Jay- Memphis, it was not popular. It was right, very, but, it was like real negative. And I mean, I remember like on the radio and everything, everybody was talking about how stupid the Grizzlies were for doing that. Oh, I agree. But that's not trading him for anything. That's not, that's not nationally. And, and then if you go to the James Harden deal, he was very much ridiculed. And, you know, and, and there were some people that, you know, said that, yeah, you know, we understand whatever, and it's okay for him to do that. But for the most part, everybody said that he should not voice his opinion and do it. So in the end of the day, in James, Har- I- in James Harden case, he's also been on the other side of that though too. When Oklahoma City traded him, and everyone was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah, I it's agree. Like he's ha- he has had it both ways. I agree, but so, and it, I think the way that you, you do it is important too. Yeah, if you so if you were using the the, the same ex- the examples, if you were Pau Gasol who went to the front office. And had a closed door meeting and said, hey, I want to get out of here. I don't want to be here in Memphis anymore. If there's a way to get me out of here, I want to leave. I want to go play for a contender. I'm getting older. And he did it himself with the owner, and they figured it all out. It was uh, a few days before it actually came out. And at that point, it wasn't viewed that negatively. Some, Some fans locally had a problem with it, but they handled it behind closed doors like men. And I think that's there's ways at how you handle things, such as relationships, as we all know. If you handle things a certain way, no matter what the, the situation is, that in the end is really how the whole situation is going to go. So well, I think Draymond speaks the, speaks the truth for sure. But I also think that if, if all. You there? Oh. Must have cut out. Nope. <laughs> well, well I, I, have a, I have a thought. And it's just like about the way that, like, 
I think the way that it gets done is like very is very key, like Daniel was saying. And I think that where players run into like where fan bases get really upset at them is when they have these lists of like, well, I'll go play for these three teams. Because then you immediately like you immediately cut what the what your team can get back for the owners. <laughs> what? Daniel's back. <laughs> but you cut like what going, your team can get back from you. <laughs> and you know, if you say you want to go to three teams, there's 26 other teams that you can't trade with now that might have some things that could actually help your team. And if you choose a team that like is already like pretty top heavy, it doesn't have a whole lot there because they cleaned out the cupboard to get the guy, you know, like the, like the Nets actually had some good stuff, but like, I don't feel like the Rockets got most of the good stuff from that trade. Like, I feel like getting like Jared Allen or like Karis Avert would, would be like ideal for them. Well, I think, I think but, the big point that I'm getting from Daniel, which I agree with is, um, the way it's handled because JB Bickerstaff, you know, the head coach has come out since and, you know, he's kind of talking out of both sides, you know, trying to agree with both like players can voice and do whatever, but we handled this internally. We talked with the player um, and this was agreed upon, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, my understanding was that the guy was on the bench getting ready to play and warm up. And then they came out and said, you know, no, <laughs> So I don't know, you know, is Draymond possibly talking a little out of turn because he doesn't know the situation? I mean, that's possible. Um, the Cavs have come out since then saying that they handled it internally and informed Drummond. I guess we'll actually find out about that once they finally get um, Drummond actually moved. So I'm kind of curious about that, if that situation really unfolded like that, because Obviously, the NBA is a pretty close circle, right? <clears throat> like, you can get killed as a franchise for treating players bad. So, like, this is kind of just like a risky thing, th- thing for teams to do. And we've seen the Pistons do it now with Blake Griffin, where basically, hey, you're not going to play. We're going to try to find something that suits your situation. So, I-, I get both sides. I think I'm with you, Cody. Like, I get both sides. Um, I don't think Draymond is wrong because I think it's wrong to criticize. I guess it depends on situational, but as long as it's handled correctly to me and the guy is, you know, not being terrible about it and just phoning it in on purpose just to get out of a certain situation, um, I don't think a player should be vilified or criticized for wanting something else. I mean, we have set up this league for that situation and I know a lot of people will have thoughts about that because of the money involved. But, um, Daniel, I know you got cut off earlier and your audio dropped out. Did you? Was there something that you said that we might have missed that you wanted to add to this? I have no clue where it cut out at, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I heard it loud and clear, perfect over here. <laughs> Well, you you dropped out, and then all of a sudden you come back in the very end. So we have oh. no idea. It could have. It was probably the best uh, basketball thing you've ever said in your life, and no one will ever know. It we was know. no. I I was pretty much just trying to make the point of if both organizations or, or or the organization and the players handle the situation the same way, if it, if they handle it negatively, then the players get beat up for it. 
compared to the organization. The organization, nobody, you know, they're just like, you know what, I, that's business. Uh, but when the players do it, it's looked at a, a negatively in a different way. And so I, um, I, I just think that's what he was getting at. Draymond was just getting at the fact that um, that they are looked at and treated uh, differently than the than the organization than these owners are. So that's all I was saying. I think too, like the players are just more accessible. Like it's easier to like if a player decides they want to leave somewhere. Like it's easier to be mad at James Harden than it is to be mad at like the Houston Rockets organization, like it's just easier to direct your like frustration at like a person like, and then it is like a, a and I like not an idea. Cause like the Cavs or the Cavs or whoever are an organization, but like, there's not like one person that you can like point at and be like, that guy sucks, but you can do that. And like, kind of like get <laughs> some of your, it's like, you can be kind of cathartic with like, I hate that guy for like three weeks. It is a player. I think you bring up an interesting point, Cody, because since fandom has changed and it's kind of evolutionized to where now people follow just the player, I think you do have this segment now where it's kind of like a PR thing, right? Like I'm leaving, just using James Harden, not saying he's doing this on purpose, obviously, but um, like this is PR of it's not me, it's the Rockets. And you'll have this fan base who is Harden fans who will say, yeah, he's right. It is the Rockets. They screwed him over. He gave them everything, blah, blah, blah. And then you have the segment that is the Houston Rocket fans who will say, no, it's James Harden is leaving us high and dry. We gave him everything, all this money. He ran our organization, basically. Look what he did with all these players. So it, it's an interesting topic, I think. I don't know how much longer you want to talk about it because I feel like we could talk about that for another 30 minutes or so. Um, but do you have a final thing, Cody, you want to plug or wrap up about this conversation before we go for this week? Uh, no, I had a good time. It's nice being here, like, actually at 7 o'clock. So, you know, fantastic. Uh, everybody <laughs> just stay warm and keep your power on, basically. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel, anything to plug? Man, nothing crazy to plug, but uh, we do put out a uh, a Grizzlies edition uh, part of this podcast, and I know Bailey, you have been on it in the comments. Thank you, uh, Ryan, Cody, both of you, the OGs, uh, for sure. Uh, Eric, at some point, I'm going to get you on uh, so you can spill about your uh, Milwaukee Bucks and how much they suck uh, right now, and especially tonight. Uh, but no, uh, I'm definitely going to get you on, but we do have a lot of good, a <laughs> lot of good people that I am working on, uh, behind the scenes, a lot of good interviews. If you're a Memphian and you know about Memphis sports, uh, you will know all these people's names. I don't want to give them away yet because we don't have a lockdown date. Uh, but I've spoken with a bunch of people this past week. And so I do have four people that have guaranteed that we're going to get uh, interviews by. Um, so they're going to be very good. And so I hope that that Grizzlies edition is a little bit different than what this is. Uh, it's more interview, more fun, um, and, and just kind of a oh. good time. So <laughs> appreciate uh, it. We'll see. A lot more different than this. It's <laughs> actually fun. No, not. <laughs> it's a it's a different feel. I want it to be just kind of a lot. Oh man! <laughs> thanks for uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you check out the more fun, interesting, way better yeah. podcast as the Memphis Grizzlies edition. Yeah, just with that, 
the one that doesn't feature me and Ryan at all. <laughs> except, for when, except for when we guest appear. <laughs> no, uh, thanks for everyone tuning in. Obviously, we do this every week at 7. Basketball season, for me, coaching-wise, should be about over. We got tournament this week, so shouldn't have any more time delays like we've had the past couple weeks, so we should be here every Thursday at 7. So we appreciate y'all tuning in um, and hope everyone is staying safe in the weather. If you've got it, (laughs) you know uh, what I'm saying. So everyone have a good rest of the week. Enjoy the NBA games. And we are out. Yep. Keep an eye out for the real talent. Daniel.